0: part six chapters four to six of the voyages of dr dolittle by hugh lofting this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four the sea serpent for a long time after that cabinet meeting of which i have just told you we did not ask the doctor anything further about going home life in spider monkey island went forward month in month out busily and pleasantly The winter, with Christmas celebrations, came and went, and summer was with us once again before we knew it. As time passed, the doctor became more and more taken up with the care of his big family, and the hours he could spare for his natural history work grew fewer and fewer. I knew that he often still thought of his house and garden in Puddleby, and of his old plans and ambitions, because once in a while we would notice his face grow thoughtful and a little sad when something reminded him of England or his old life. But he never spoke of these things. And I truly believe he would have spent the remainder of his days on Spider-Monkey Island if it hadn't been for an accident, and for Polynesia. The old parrot had grown very tired of the Indians, and she made no secret of it.
1: The very idea,
0: she said to me one day as we were walking on the seashore.
1: The idea of the famous John Doolittle, spending his valuable life waiting on these greasy natives. Why, it's preposterous.
0: All that morning we had been watching the doctor superintend the building of the new theatre in Popsipetel. There was already an opera house and a concert hall, and finally she had got so grouchy and annoyed at the sight that I had suggested her taking a walk with me.
2: Do you really think...
0: I asked as we sat down on the sands.
2: That he will never go back to
1: Puddleby again? I don't know, said she. At one time I felt sure that the thought of the pets he had left behind at the house would take him home soon. But since Miranda brought him word last August that everything was all right there, that hope's gone. For months and months I've been racking my brains to think up a plan. If we could only hit upon something that would turn his thoughts back to natural history again, "'I mean, something big enough to get him really excited. "'We might manage it. "'But how?'
0: "'She shrugged her shoulders in disgust.
1: "'How? "'When all he thinks of now is paving streets "'and teaching papooses that twice one are two?
0: "'It was a perfect popsipetal day, "'bright and hot, blue and yellow. "'Drowsily I looked out to the sea "'thinking of my mother and father. "'I wondered if they were getting anxious "'over my long absence.' "'Beside me old Polynesia went on grumbling away "'in low, steady tones, "'and her words began to mingle and mix "'with the gentle lapping of the waves upon the shore. "'It may have been the even murmur of her voice, "'helped by the soft and balmy air "'that lulled me to sleep. "'I don't know. "'Anyhow, I presently dreamed "'that the island had moved again, "'not floatingly as before, "'but suddenly, jerkily, as though something enormously powerful had heaved it up from its bed just once and let it down. How long I slept after that, I have no idea. I was awakened by gentle pecking on the nose.
1: "'Tommy! Tommy!'
0: It was Polynesia's voice.
1: "'Wake up! Gosh, what a boy to sleep through an earthquake and never notice it! Tommy, listen! Here's our chance, now! Wake up, for goodness' sake!' "'What's the matter?' i
0: asked sitting up with a yawn "Sh! look whispered polynesia pointing out to sea still only half awake i stared before me with bleary sleep laden eyes and in the shallow water not more than thirty yards from shore i saw an enormous pale pink shell dome-shaped it towered up in a graceful rainbow curve to a tremendous height and round its base the surf broke gently in little waves of white It could have belonged to the wildest dream.
1: What in the world is it? I asked. That,
0: whispered Polynesia,
1: is what sailors for hundreds of years have called the sea serpent. I've seen it myself more than once from the decks of ships at long range, curving in and out of the water. But now that I see it close and still, I very strongly suspect that the sea serpent of history is no other than the great glass sea snail that the fidget told us of if that isn't the only fish of its kind in the seven seas call me a carrion crow tommy we're in luck our job is to get the doctor down here to look at that prize specimen before it moves off to the deep hole if we can then trust me we may leave this blessed island yet you stay here and keep an eye on it while i go after the doctor don't move or speak don't even breathe heavy. he might get scared awful timid things snails just watch him and i'll be back in two shakes
0: stealthily creeping up the sands till she could get behind the cover of some bushes before she took to her wings polynesia went off in the direction of the town while i remained alone upon the shore fascinatedly watching this unbelievable monster wallowing in the shallow sea it moved very little from time to time it lifted its head out of the water showing its enormously long neck and horns "'Occasionally it would try and draw itself up "'the way a snail does when he goes to move, "'but almost at once it would sink down again, "'as if exhausted. "'It seemed to me to act as though it were hurt underneath, "'but the lower part of it, "'which was below the level of the water, "'I could not see. "'I was still absorbed in watching the great beast "'when Polynesia returned with the doctor. "'They approached so silently and so cautiously that i neither saw nor heard them coming till i found them crouching beside me on the sand one sight of the snail changed the doctor completely his eyes sparkled with delight i had not seen him so thrilled and happy since the time we caught the gibrizi beetle when we first landed on the island
3: it is he he whispered the great glass sea snail himself not a doubt of it polynesia go down the shore away and see if you can find any of the porpoises for me. Perhaps they can tell us what the snail is doing here. It's very unusual for him to be in shallow water like this. And, Stubbins, you go over to the harbour and bring me a small canoe. But be most careful how you paddle it round into this bay. If the snail should take fright and go out into the deeper water, we may never get a chance to see him again.
1: And don't tell any of the Indians,
0: Polynesia added in a whisper as I moved to go.
1: We must keep this a secret, or we'll have a crowd of sightseers round here in five minutes. It's mighty lucky we found the snail in a quiet bay.
0: Reaching the harbour, I picked out a small light canoe from among the number that were lying there, and without telling anyone what I wanted it for, got in and started off to paddle it down the shore. I was mortally afraid that the snail might have left before I got back and you can imagine how delighted i was when i rounded the rocky cape and came in sight of the bay to find he was still there polynesia i saw had got her errand done and returned ahead of me bringing with her a pair of porpoises these were already conversing in low tones with john doodle i beached the canoe and went up to listen
3: what i want to know the doctor was saying is how the snail comes to be here i was given to understand that he usually stayed in the deep hole and that when he did come to the surface it was always in mid-ocean oh didn't
2: you know haven't you heard
3: the porpoises replied
2: you covered up the deep hole when you sank the island why, yes, he let it right down on top of the mouth of the hole. Sort of put the lid on, as it were. The fishes that were in it at the time have been trying to get out ever since. The great snail had the worst luck of all. The island nipped him by the tail as he were leaving the hole for a quiet evening stroll. And he was held there for six months trying to wriggle himself free. Finally, he had to heave the whole island up at one end to get his tail loose. Didn't you feel a sort of earthquake shock about an hour ago?
3: Yes, I did said the doctor. It shook down part of the theatre I was building.
2: Well, that was a snail. Heaving up the island to get out of the hole, they said. All the other fishes saw their chance and escaped when he raised the lid. It was lucky for them he's so big and strong. But the strain of the terrific heave told on him. He sprained a muscle in his tail and it started swelling rather badly. He wanted some quiet place to rest up. And seeing this soft beach handy, he crawled in here.
3: Dear me, Said the doctor. I'm terribly sorry. I suppose I should have given some sort of notice that the island was going to be let down. But to tell the truth, we didn't know it ourselves. It happened by a kind of an accident. Do you imagine the poor fellow is hurt very badly? We're not sure, said the
0: porpoises,
2: because none of us can speak in his language. But we swam right around him on our way in here, and he didn't seem to be really seriously injured.
3: Can't any of your people speak shellfish? the doctor asked
2: not a word said they it's a frightfully difficult language
3: do you think that you might be able to find me some kind of a fish that could we don't know said the porpoises
2: we might try
3: i should be extremely grateful to you if you would said the doctor there are many important questions i want to ask this snail and besides i would like to do my best to cure his tail for him it's the least i can do after all it was my fault indirectly that he got hurt
2: well if you wait here
0: said the porpoises
2: we'll see what can be done
0: chapter five the shellfish riddle solved at last so dr doolittle with a crown on his head sat down upon the shore like king nut and waited and for a whole hour the porpoises kept going and coming bringing up different kinds of sea beasts from the deep to see if they could help him many and curious were the creatures they produced It would seem, however, that there were very few things that spoke shellfish except the shellfish themselves. Still, the porpoises grew a little more helpful when they discovered a very old sea urchin, a funny ball-like little fellow with long whiskers all over him, who said he could not speak pure shellfish, but he used to understand starfish enough to get along when he was young. This was coming nearer, even if it wasn't anything to get crazy about leaving the urchin with us the porpoises went off once more to hunt up a starfish they were not long getting one for they were quite common in those parts then using the sea urchin as an interpreter they questioned the starfish he was a rather stupid sort of creature but he tried his best to be helpful and after a little patient examination we found to our delight that he could speak shellfish moderately well feeling quite encouraged the doctor and i now got into the canoe and with the porpoises the urchin and the starfish swimming alongside we paddled very gently out till we were close under the towering shell of the great snail and then began the most curious conversation i have ever witnessed first the starfish would ask the snail something and whatever answer the snail gave the starfish would tell it to the sea urchin the urchin would tell it to the porpoises and the porpoises would tell it to the doctor in this way we obtained considerable information mostly about the very ancient history of the animal kingdom but we missed a good many of the finer points in the snail's longer speeches on account of the stupidity of the starfish and all this translating from one language to another while the snail was speaking the doctor and i put our ears against the wall of the shell and found that we could in this way hear the sound of his voice quite plainly. It was, as the fidget had described, deep and bell like but of course we could not understand a single word he said. However, the doctor was by this time terrifically excited about getting near to learning the language he had sought so long, and presently by making the other fishes repeat over and over again short phrases which the snail used, he began to put words together for himself you see he was already familiar with one or two fish languages and that helped him quite a little after he had practiced for a while like this he leant over the side of the canoe and putting his face below the water tried speaking to the snail direct it was hard and difficult work and hours went by before he got any results but presently i could tell by the happy look on his face that little by little he was succeeding the sun was low in the west and the cool evening breeze was beginning to rustle softly through the bamboo groves when the doctor finally turned from his work and said to me
3: stubbins i have persuaded the snail to come in onto the dry part of the beach and let me examine his tail will you please go back to the town and tell the workman to stop working on the theatre for today? then go on to the palace and get my medicine-bag i think i left it under the throne in the audience-chamber
1: And remember, Polynesia
3: whispered as I turned away,
1: Not a word to a soul. If you get asked questions, keep your mouth shut. Pretend you have a toothache or something.
0: This time, when I got back to the shore with the medicine bag, I found the snail high and dry on the beach. Seeing him in his full length like this, it was easy to understand how old-time superstitious sailors had called him the sea serpent he certainly was a most gigantic and in his way a graceful beautiful creature john doodlittle was examining a swelling on his tail from the bag which i had brought the doctor took a large bottle of embrocation and began rubbing the sprain. next he took all the bandages he had in the bag and fastened them end to end but even like that they were not long enough to go more than half way round the enormous tail The doctor insisted that he must get the swelling strapped tight somehow, so he sent me off to the palace once more to get all the sheets from the royal linen closet. These Polynesia and I tore into bandages for him, and at last, after terrific exertions, we got the sprain strapped to his satisfaction. The snail really seemed to be quite pleased with the attention he had received, and he stretched himself in lazy comfort when the doctor was done in this position when the shell on his back was empty you could look right through it and see the palm
3: trees on the other side i think one of us had better sit up with him all night said the doctor we might put bumpo on that duty he's been napping all day i know in the summer-house it's a pretty bad sprain that and if the snail shouldn't be able to sleep he'll be happier with someone with him for company he'll get all right though in a few days i should judge if i wasn't so confoundedly busy I'd sit up with him myself. I wish I could, because I still have a lot of things to talk over with him. But
0: Doctor, said Polynesia as we prepared to go back to town,
1: you ought to take a holiday. All kings take holidays once in the while, every one of them. King Charles, for instance. Of course, Charles was before your time. But he, why, he was always holiday-making. Not that he was ever what you would call a model king. But just the same, he was frightfully popular. Everybody liked him even the golden carp in the fish pond at hampton court as a king the only thing i had against him was his inventing those stupid little snappy dogs they call king charles spaniels there are lots of stories told about poor charles but that in my opinion is the worst thing he did however all this is beside the point as i was saying kings have to take holidays the same as anybody else and you haven't taken one since you were crowned have you now
0: no said the
1: doctor i suppose that's true well now "'I tell you what you do,' said she. "'As soon as you get back to the palace, "'you publish a royal proclamation "'that you are going away for a week into the country for your health. "'And you're going without any servants, you understand, "'just like a plain person. "'It's called travelling incognito. "'When kings go off like that, they all do it. "'It's the only way they can ever have a good time. "'Then the week you're away, "'you can spend lolling on the beach back there with the snail. "'How's that?'
3: "'I'd like to,' said the doctor.' It sounds most attractive. But there's that new theatre to be built. None of our carpenters would know how to get those rafters on without me to show them. And then there are the babies. These native mothers are so frightfully ignorant.
1: Oh, bother the theatre. And the babies, too.
3: Snapped Polynesia. Yeah?
1: The theatre can wait a week. And as for babies, they never have anything more than colic. How do you suppose babies got along before you came here, for heaven's sake? Take a holiday. You need it.
0: CHAPTER Six: THE LAST CABINET MEETING From the way Polynesia talked, I guessed that this idea of a holiday was part of her plan. The doctor made no reply, and we walked on silently towards the town. I could see, nevertheless, that her words had made an impression on him. After supper he disappeared from the palace without saying where he was going, a thing he had never done before of course we all knew where he had gone back to the beach to sit up with the snail we were sure of it because he had said nothing to Bumpo about attending to the matter as soon as the doors were closed upon the cabinet meeting that night polynesia addressed the ministry
1: look here you fellows
0: said sheen
1: we've simply got to get the doctor to take this holiday somehow unless we're willing to stay in this blessed island for the rest of our lives
0: but what difference bumpo asked is taking a holiday going to make impatiently polynesia turned upon the minister of the interior
1: don't you see if he has a clear week to get thoroughly interested in his natural history again marine stuff his dream of seeing the floor of the ocean and all that there may be some chance of his consenting to leave this pesky place but while he is here on duty as king he never gets a moment to think of anything outside the business of government
2: yes that is true
0: he is far too conscientious. bumbo agreed and besides polynesia went on
1: his only hope of ever getting away from here would be to escape secretly he's got to leave while he is holiday-making incognito when no one knows where he is or what he's doing but us if he built a ship big enough to cross the sea in all the indians would see it and hear it being built and they'd ask what it was for they would interfere They'd sooner have anything happen than lose the doctor. Why, I believe if they thought he had any idea of escaping, they'd put chains on him.
2: Yes, I really think they would. I agreed. Yet without a ship of some kind, I don't see how the doctor is going to get
1: away, even secretly. Well, I'll tell you,
0: said Polynesia.
1: If we do succeed in making him take this holiday, our next step will be to get the sea snail to promise to take us all in his shell and carry us to the mouth of Puddleby River if we can once get the snail willing the temptation will be too much for john dolittle and he'll come i know especially as he'll be able to take those new plants and drugs of long arrows to the english doctor's as well as see the floor of the ocean on the way how thrilling
0: i cried
1: do you mean the snail could take us under the sea all the way back to puddleby certainly
0: said polynesia
1: a little trip like that is nothing to him he would crawl along the floor of the ocean and the doctor could see all the sights Perfectly simple. Oh, John Dolittle will come all right if we can only get him to take that holiday, and if the snail will consent to give us the ride.
0: Golly, I hope he does. Sighed Jip. I'm sick of these beastly tropics. They make you feel so lazy and good for nothing, and there are no rats or anything here. Not that a fellow would have the energy to chase him, even if there were. My, wouldn't I be glad to see old Puddleby in the garden again? And won't Dab-Dab be glad to have us back?
2: by the end of next month said i it will be two whole years since we left england since we pulled up the anchor at kingsbridge and bumped our way out into the river and got stuck on the mud-bank
0: added Chee in a dreamy far-away voice
2: do you remember how all the people waved to us from the river wall
0: i asked yes and i suppose they've often talked about us in the town since said jip wondering whether we're dead or alive Oh, said Bumpo. I feel I am about to weep from sediment. End of part six, chapter six.